Hey, what's happening, everyone? Hope you're all having a good day out there. This is your host of the, that's right, soon-to-be-named podcast. It is I, Justin Stapleton, here with a special guest, a special in-house guest today uh, with us on the soon-to-be-named podcast, our one and only Jacob Rascone. Jacob, a uh, newcomer here to the KPRC Channel 2 uh, team, uh, but certainly not a newcomer to news or anything else. You might have uh, recognized his voice if you have been watching NBC News. He was a nightly correspondent for a couple of years with 30 Rock, the, the, the old parent company, the mothership as we like to call it up there in New York City. Jacob, welcome. Thank you. Soon to be named guest. There we go. Thinking of changing my name. I think you should. It, it, it's a catchy <laughs> ring, isn't it? I like it. Yeah. You'll have to tell me the story later. I absolutely will. So uh, we're coming up on the Winter Olympics, 2018 Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang, South Korea. Uh, one of the spots that has been a bit of a hotbed over the last couple of months and certainly you last couple of years. You summed it up very nicely, a bit of a hotbed. Yeah, <laughs> just a bit. So, you know, interestingly enough, uh, for those if you're going to be watching the uh, coverage here on uh, Channel 2, uh, Jacob is going to be our man in the field, actually taking off in, in hours now at this point, correct? We're taking off on Friday. Okay. In fact, we got a couple of days to pack and get some other things together, and then we're, then we're off for three and a half weeks. Wow. <laughs> you excited? <laughs> I've never been gone from my family for that long. I'm very excited. I bet. Um, some of the last-minute preps are talking with my family about, okay, what time during the day are we going to FaceTime? Because we're 15 hours ahead. Don't call dad during these hours. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Unless it's an emergency, of course. And then we can do that. Yeah. Now, for, for those that, that are listening here that don't know, you have four kids. We have four kids. Right. And what are the ages? Olivia's eight. Malachi is five. Elijah's three. And then we have a seven-month-old. So, so you clearly have, you know, a very non-busy household. <laughs> with a couple things going on. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. It's you know, internet. Yeah, international travel like that. That's that's something that um, you know you have to think about uh, with that. Um, so, let's just start with the Winter Olympics itself. Um, Winter Olympics sometimes get a bad rap because. The United States doesn't necessarily have some of the strongest athletes. You know, we aren't always meddling in things like a biathlon, you know, or the downhill skiing or whatnot. It's really dominated by a lot of the European nations, and it's sort of in their culture and in their blood. But at the same point, um, there are still really good stories about athletes here, especially locally here in Texas. In particular, I know we've been talking about some of the speed skaters as well. Oh, yeah. One of the more interesting stories to me, Sam McGuffey is a Houstonian, one of just a few. Yeah. Um, there are a few others who are, have Texas ties. Uh, Sam McGuffey played at Cypher High School, and you may know him from these viral videos of him hurdling defenders. He was such a good running back, and he had short stints in the NFL on various teams before he decided he wanted to try something new, and a track and field coach said, you should try bobsled, and he thought that was crazy. But he tried it, and it's such a good story because uh, Stephen Holcomb is, is well-known in the bobsled world. He, he took the U.S. He, he led the team to their first gold medal in like 62 years back in Vancouver in 2010. He was, he's a legend in U.S. bobsled. Um, but a few years ago, his team had fallen apart or retired, and he needed to reorganize the team, and he took a huge chance on Sam McGuffey. Hmm. He found him at this bobsled tryout thing, and he said, I'm going to take a chance on him. And like a year and a half later, they won gold at the World Cup in wow. Lake Placid. 
And so, you know, one year he's uh, uh, in the NFL, and then the next he's bobsled. And then suddenly, last year, Stephen died after almost 20 years as the face of the sport. Yeah. And uh, so there's Sam, the rookie, the protege, uh, got everything ahead of him, and then suddenly the main guy's gone. Um, so they end up pairing him with a new guy, and you know they're hoping, they're praying, they're working. They won World Cup gold again. Wow! Just a few weeks ago, and then he qualified. So now Sam is like one of the main guys who had the blessing of Stephen, and they're real medal contenders. You know we don't always do well in bobsled. But sure. 2010, we won gold. This year, they believe they can win. That's time. amazing. One of several stories. Yeah. Really Go ahead. I was going to say, <laughs> they're not, uh, they didn't grow up here, but the Nigerian bobsled team, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of them. I have. They're, they're, they were maybe the my favorite interview in leading up to uh, the games. So they're Nigerian-American, but they all live in Houston. Uh like their their parents immigrated from Nigeria, and uh, after high school, they all from Chicago, Minnesota, Dallas, decided to come to University of Houston because they liked the track team. They all did well, and then one of them decided we should have a bobsled team. It's like it's straight out of Jamaican bobsled I was team, Cool Running. Just going to say that's Cool Runnings, Houston <laughs> style, right there. <laughs> it gets even better because when we went to interview them, they're inside Sam University of Houston with a wooden cart pushing it on the track wow. that that see Sean, the the one who started the team, made in her garage in Houston. She made it in her garage. <laughs> and then here they are now. They qualified for the Olympics. <laughs> Nigeria has never had a Winter Olympics team in any sport, period. Africa has never had a bobsled team, period. So, you know, whether they medal or, or not, they've got really stiff competition. And so uh, a, a lot of people think it's unlikely. But they they're making history and they're determined to keep it going it's amazing you know the, and and i think that's what going back to the what we originally talked about here that that there are two types of people that watch the olympics my personal opinion anyway you have the people that watch it for the sport you know just to see the athletes themselves i mean these perfectly finely tuned machines as you said that just work for years and years for a fraction of a second in some cases and i think what a lot of people really lock into with these as well are the stories the stories behind that Sam McGuffey, perfect example of that, the Nigerian bobsled team, you know, something that, and, and my guess is they've heard if, you know, they're probably too young for cool running since that came out <laughs> in the early nineties with these kids. Well, one of them, one of the members of the one bobsled of them members, team okay. said, it, and one of them said, when I was approached and asked about bobsled, I said, let me think about it. And then I went and Googled it. What is bobsled? <laughs> she had wow. no idea. Amazing. And then like a year and a half later, she's going to compete in bobsled in the Olympics. In the Olympics. You know, and I think those are the stories that really grab people um, about what's happening out there. And just because there's always been question. And I know the last 10, 15, maybe 20 years, there's been some chatter, uh, online chatter, chatter in, in, in focus groups and whatnot about are the Olympics relevant anymore? You know, is it something where we're so saturated with so many other sports and so many other um, attention span robbing things, the Internet, Facebook, Twitter, social media, you name it. Is there really still a niche for uh, a four year competition that only comes around for a couple of weeks and then it's gone? You know, NBC certainly hopes so. (laughs) They're they're banking on it, aren't they? (laughs) They're banking on it. And they're, they're, you know, the way that we consume 
or that we watch or hear the Olympics is has changed a lot, uh, of course, since social media. Uh, you know, only 10 years ago, Facebook was new. There was no Twitter. There was no Instagram. There was right. no YouTube. There was no Amazon. There were no smartphones to be able to watch yeah, that. Yeah, the in first your smartphone hand. came out a little over 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they've got a lot of money, including money that goes into how do we make sure and stay relevant. So I, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I work, for, you know, we, we work for an NBC, right. uh, an NBC channel, but um, I'm, all I'm saying is that they, they put out their numbers that they think say that, look, even though fewer people are watching it on TV, we're getting millions and millions of people watching it live now yeah. on, and but they, they're continually changing. This Olympics will be different than the last one. They're going to air a lot of the events live that they didn't last time. They wanted to wait until prime time. Yeah, a lot of people hated that. Yeah, some people liked it, but um, well, it goes back that to your point of now. You know, breaking news doesn't wait for a five or a six o'clock right. newscast. It is as soon as it buzzes on your phone. So that makes I think that's a smart move by NBC is to just do it live. The night owls are going to want to watch what they want to watch, and they'll yeah. stay up at four in the morning if that's yeah. the case. There, the challenges are similar, I think, between the Olympics generally and broadcast news. Sure. Um, and and so they you know they they try to adapt and. And we'll see. I mean, they, they think they made it. Some people think they made a big mistake last time, so they're changing that this time. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Um, the Olympians themselves, when I talk to them about this, they, all of them that I've talked to so far believe that the Olympics is still w- way and above, you know, the World Cup that gold that Sam won. Yeah. He says, look, I believe nobody's going to remember that. They're going to remember whether we place in the Olympics. Right. They believe it's, it's that. Still the, it's still the, the yeah. standard or, or still the threshold that people yeah. use international sports to. But there's no question that slowly, you know, the the influence of uh, the Olympics is, is just different. It's like network news. You know, 20 years ago, 20, 25 million people would watch every night. Yeah. And now it's like 8 million. But then nightly news will say, well, we've got – Four million people on Twitter looking at us. We've got another three million on Facebook, or however many it is, and so our influence is is out there. It's um, just spread to different it's platforms. It's just spread to different platforms. Sure. Yeah, and you know, Olympics Twitter account is is real busy with all their their yeah. videos, and it, it it is amazing though. The you know we don't have to wait anymore. Um, they're trying to take full advantage of that. Um, I don't know. There's no 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 question that there there are changes. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. No, I think that's a good way to put it. You know, it's it's something where, you know, as I said before, I think what really draws people in, in fact, is some of the stories that you can augment with that so that you feel for yeah. these athletes. It's not just, okay, well, there's a bobsled team. It's, well, let's hear the story about Sam. That You know, and that's what pulls people in is because you make yeah. it human, you make it personal, and you make it so that they're rooting not just for your country, but you're rooting for that person as well, you know. Interestingly enough, uh, by the way, you are uh, on the soon-to-be-named podcast. We're here with KPRC Channel 2 anchor reporter Jacob Rascone. Uh, he is headed to Pyeongchang in just a couple of days. He's got – you've been working on your, your, um, your Korean? <laughs> no. Good man. Um, <laughs> I, so I, I have a friend who's uh, in charge of a lot of the Olympics coverage from Korea. I worked with her mm-hmm. back when I was with NBC, and <laughs> I remember trying to say a couple. She's like, "Don't even try." Okay. Yeah. 
You're like, so, just stop. So, so Hurang is the is the the white tiger mascot. I, I will I will watch some more videos and, and work on it, but I, yeah. I will attempt nothing here. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It, 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 enough to at least get by at that point. So, yeah. I, I can I can assure you doing the same thing being in Malaysia a couple months ago. Not an easy language to pick up. <laughs> Lots of local dialects there. So let's pivot this for a second, Jay, because I, I, you bring up a really good point, as you mentioned just uh, a minute ago here, that you used to work for NBC. For those that aren't familiar, uh, Jacob came to us from uh, NBC News as a network correspondent. One of the, in my opinion, the elephant in the room for this entire Olympics is the fact that you are going to South Korea, we're going to Seoul, and we're going to be 30 miles from someone that is actively engaging with an, with a very dangerous war with the president of the United States right now, uh, the what they call the demilitarized zone, the DMZ, just north of where you guys will be for much of the next three weeks, I think creates an interesting, if not, I hopefully not overshadowing background of what could be possible with these games as well. As a former network correspondent, someone that traveled across the globe to cover some of these events and some of these conflicts and that. How do you think that that's going to impact the games, or will it? All of this is not lost on my wife, by the way. She reminds me. <laughs> I'm <laughs> so sure you're she sure does. Everything's going to be fine, yep. right? And, uh, you know, NBC has been for months going, you know, back and forth and preparing, and you know, they've yep. got everything prepared. Got yep. Hazmat suits, they've got everything just in case. Um... It's such a small country, North Korea, and he had, the leader, Kim Jong-un, has such a big mouth. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of, a lot of, I watch him and I, I'm reminded of other uh, leaders and dictators and who are mostly talk um, and less action. There's no question that inside his country, it's hell the stories that come out of there from people who've been living in these camps and everything. And then he's testing these rockets. And um, But I think that he must know, as, as much as he is all about the propaganda of his country can take on the United States, yeah. that if he did anything to South Korea or Japan, anything real, any, you know, a- attack, his country would be gone. Yeah. He would be gone. Uh, his people would be gone. He, he's, he's, you know, he has to know that. I believe he, he has to know that. Yeah. And um, there are debates now over whether Donald Trump's take on how to deal with this person is, is good or not. Um, it, it was very interesting to me two weeks ago when North Korea announced, okay, we're going to combine teams. I was going to ask you about that. If you South felt Korea. like, is that, it, is that an authentic olive branch? Or is that more of a um, calculated move to create almost what a, a, a mini ceasefire, so to speak, or sort of a, a tamping down of the rhetoric during these three weeks? I think so. He he's, he talks so much, but he, the sanctions that we and others place upon him they hurt. I mean, you know, they rely on China and others, and they can't. You know, they can only talk so much before. I mean, they need an economy. They need other countries. They're not an island as much as they think that they're yeah. them against the world, and, and he knows that. And I think that he at some point has to, you know, tamper down and tamper back. I, th- I think it was 
the ceasefire was back in uh, 1953, or it was a, a truce, a temporary pause. No peace treaty, so technically they're still at war, and they have this DMZ that we're going to visit. Actually, we just learned we were able to go visit the second day that we're there. That's great. Um, you know, the last time that South Korea sponsored the Olympics in 1988, um, the Summer Olympics, they've mm-hmm. never done the South, the Winter Olympics, uh, North Korea boycotted the games. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it was even it was worse back then. So th- this is this was interesting. I, I mean. I think yeah, a couple of things. It's it's a calculated move because in the end he thinks he's he's macho, but he they need the economy of other countries right. and they, they need and maybe need a good showing on an international stage such as the Olympics. They do. I mean, it, we're the sanctions are getting worse and worse, right. and you know they they're small. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is. We're speaking with Jacob Rascone on the soon-to-be-named podcast here. He is getting ready to take off for Pyeongchang for the Winter Olympics. Now, uh, talk about some of the things you're going to be doing for right here at KPRC. Uh, a lot of your content is going to be online on clicktohouston.com and digital as well, as we've been talking about You know, all the different platforms. We're going to utilize those. Give everybody a little – without giving it away – <laughs> this is television and radio and podcast people. We can't give things away here. <laughs> Jacob and I, need, we have children. We need to eat. we got to feed the kids. <laughs> well, give well, us a little hint about what you're going to be working on. They're 15 hours ahead. So when our 10 o'clock newscast is on, it's 1 o'clock in the afternoon the next day over there. Yep. We'll be live in the 10 o'clock every night. Uh, we may get two days off you know, during the whole three and a half weeks that yep. we're there. Uh, we'll be a week early, so we'll do the live, uh, the 10 o'clock live, and then we'll do the morning show live, which is the morning show here, of course, is 4.30 to 7. Over there, it's uh, 7.30 to 10. I think we'll do 5.30. So so basically, we will be live at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, South Korea time, and 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock at night, South Korea time. So morning show, night show. For the other shows, we'll be doing reports but we'll do look live, uh, you know, instead of being live in the middle of the night right. over there, we'll, we'll right. be doing look live. Um, you know, we'll be nonstop working. Anybody who goes to the Olympics, and I've never been, but I, a lot of my friends have gone and over at NBC, uh, you know, they tell you it's it's such an amazing experience because of the country you're in, because of the competition and everything, that all the stories, but you're working like a dog the whole time because, yeah. you know, your station you know, needs, I'm the only one there with Byron. Byron's a veteran. He's been there so many times um, to the Olympics. But, you know, we're going to be doing reports for every show. And then we'll be doing articles for the website. We'll be doing Facebook. You're not allowed to do Facebook Live or anything live social media, by the way, in any of the venues. So that changes a little bit what you can do. But we'll do, we'll be live and do videos for my personal work Facebook page, which I just started They'll publish some of that on the KPRC Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be we'll have an international plan on our phone, so we'll tweet and we'll Instagram. I've got my Instagram and, and Twitter, and uh, that's it. I mean, we've got got a lot of it. Yeah, we've got a, a couple producers here in Houston who will be uh, helping run stuff. But then over there, it's it's me and Byron. One man banding <laughs> over there, aren't you guys? That's right. Yeah. That'll be great. So uh, the uh, Olympics officially kick off on February 8th. As uh, Jacob mentioned, we will start getting reports from him uh, coming up right around Super Bowl Sunday, which 
Shamelessly enough, you can catch right <laughs> can catch on KPRC. That's right. KPRC. That's right. We are we are company men here, ladies and gentlemen. I don't want to leave out if I can, because I sure. mentioned at the top the Nigerian bobsled team, the amazing story of yeah. them training here with their wooden cart, and then Sam McGuffey, the amazing story of going from Cypher High School star yeah. to NFL to bobsled. Um, we have also a couple of others. Ashley Caldwell, the skier, was not born here or grew up here. Her family, though, lives here. Um, the reason she hasn't been living with her family for years is because she, at the age of 14, went and lived in Lake Placid to try and make this Olympic team. And, tch, my gosh, she was the youngest Olympian in the Vancouver Olympics at 16. Amazing story uh, there. She grew up as a gymnast and skiing, and she used to tell her mom, skiing is boring. You just go down. You don't do anything. Yeah. And, and then her mom was watching the aerial, the Olympics once. Aerial Olympics said, you should do that. And she was 12 years old at the time. Ashley comes in, sits on the couch. She looks and says, I'm going to do that. Two years later, she was living in Lake Placid. And two years after that, she was competing with the same people that she had been watching on TV at 16 years old. She was there watching. Amazing. And then uh, four years later, she went back again, but she had torn both ACLs. And it was it was a different deal. She was just thankful to you know be standing and be able to, not just standing, but you know doing flips. But, sure. but there, thankful to have made it. Now she's the best in the world. She she's known. She's two years in a row. She's the world champion freestyle or aerial jumper and skiing. Expected to win. She expects herself to win. Her family expects her to win. They're sitting there. We're there in their Houston home, and they're like, the pressure is like different. This is the third Olympics, but it's different because she's the best, and so she's expected to show it. You know, as a as a dad, you you have couple little girls, yeah, right? Yeah, little girls. Okay. Two. I do too. And I have two little girls. And just as a parent at this point, I think that's a, that to me is a huge part of the story of the Olympics oh. itself. And that's what people, I think, overlook sometimes is you don't realize, you know, and, and for those of you that are listening out there, if you've got kids that do soccer, volleyball, cheerleading, whatever it is, you know, on weekends, you're at games, you're standing in the cold, you're standing in the rain <laughs> while they're playing. But to make that kind of a commitment, what really struck me there, Jacob, is what you said, that as 14, she said, I'm going to Lake Placid. For those of you that aren't familiar down here, Lake Placid is in upstate New York. It is the site of the 1980 Olympic uh, Winter Olympics, the USA Hockey Olympics, the Miracle on Ice, if you're familiar with that. Right. That was up at Lake Placid. <laughs> uh, it is very cold up there in the wintertime, and it's very foreign to a lot of folks that are probably used to southeast Texas. As a dad, what would that, what kind of commitment do you feel that that is for these parents? So the other story from Houston is Jonathan Garcia, the speed skater. We just talked to his dad the other day. So he grew up here in Katy. He was five years old, I think they said, when he was invited to a birthday party at the, the Derry Ashford Roller Rink. And like any other five-year-old on skates, he couldn't stand to save his life, but he wanted to keep doing it. And his dad said, well, they signed him up for lessons. Then he got a little bit better. And then he wanted to do competitions, so they would take him. And then he got so good that he was the best in all of Houston in the, in the region that he started taking him every weekend to Waco to this specialized coach, one of the best in the country. And by the time he was in high school, he was one of the best in the country. Uh, he, he won nationals before. And then at that point, the Olympic Committee came down and invited him. They, have, they had a program called Wheels to Ice you know, where they'd take these outstanding roller skaters and switch them over to ice. And uh, and he moved, I think when, I can't remember what age he was when he moved, but he moved to Park City full-time to train there. 
Um, but I mean, geez, it, you know, the dad was saying, look, the race takes 60 seconds. Yeah. You're watching him, you know, do that. The years and the years of practice and training yeah. behind that for, for that moment, and not just for that moment, but I mean, to, to just, and he told me, Jonathan is happy when every year he's better. And, you know, it's, it's more than the moment in the Olympics. That, that's the big moment. That's, yeah. the, that's the dream. But, I mean, his best friends are the ones he's grown up with for years doing the same thing. Other kids, the best of their roller skaters uh, classes, chosen to switch over to ice. It's their life, you yeah. know. And this is going to be Jonathan. He's 31 years old. This will be his last Olympics, his, his parents say. And, um, and so now he's thinking, oh, man. It's over. And his mom's like, no, you're 31. You can do, you know, what do you want to do? Right. Do you want to coach? Do you want to announce? Do you want to, what do you want to do? Um, but, I mean, and his dad said something like, Jonathan, with his commitment, has opened up the world to us. Because throughout his high school years, we went to Paris for the competition. We went to, you know, South America or wherever we went. Um, it, it, it changes the family life, too. I mean, it's a lot of it's around this huge commitment huge commitment massive commitment uh, you know touching on that last point here before we finish up the um the, the fact that the olympics has always been seen as sort of a moment of national pride regardless of where you lean regardless of you know who you voted for things like that yeah. do you feel like it's even more needed now given the very clear divisive lines that have been drawn in this country over the last 18 months or so at this point. Um, do you feel like it's, this is something that, that everyone can kind of rally around, at least if nothing else, for three weeks? I hope so. <laughs> but there's the way that we uh, come together for the Olympics is so inspiring. I think that uh, everybody hopes that <laughs> this is what that will be um, and that we can pause uh, on some other things and and focus on on the Olympics. It, um, I mean, geez, the the way and even even the North North Korea and South Korea coming mm -hmm. together is is right. uh, we hope a a good sign of things to come. Yeah, that uh, you know there 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 are other things going on like Russia and all of their athletes. You know, a lot of them being disqualified. And, sure, um, that's different, but. Um, we focus on the Houstonian, uh, Houstonians at the Olympics, but we really, I mean, we love all of the Olympians. And this yeah. is the way that we come together for sports is really inspiring. And you just hope that we'll do that again. <laughs> yeah, it certainly will. So what's, uh, what, what's your favorite winter sport? What's, 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 what's Jacob's secret favorite winter sport? Uh, it's not going to be a secret anymore. Jeez. That's true. It's not. It's on the podcast <laughs> now, buddy. It's being I, taped. You know, there's a new sport, Big Air for snowboard <laughs> that I'm really looking forward to. Okay. Um, this year there are more events than they've ever had. They, they've added like six new sports. Yeah. Um, I always like watching the snowboarding because I, I grew up as a skier since I was like four. My dad would take me every year. Yeah. And then when I was a teenager, I switched over to snowboard and I went every year. Um, and I've been taking my, I took my kids last year, even the three-year-old. Yeah. Know, we took them snowboarding. I love to watch the snowboarding. I also really enjoy the figure skating. It's just amazing mm -hmm. to me the way that they... They do that. Um, I guess I would say those are my my two. Those are the two. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I loved, I grew up watching Cool Runnings, like, repeatedly. I loved that movie. It's a great film. And I'm re- really looking forward to Sam and the U.S. team and the Nigerian bobsled team. Yeah. Um, I mean, now that I've met Jonathan and Ashley, and suddenly I have this new fascination for the, all of the, these other sports, but those are the ones I grew up loving. That's good. I'm a curling man. Are you really? I love it. <laughs> I love it. There's a there's a curling club in Houston. That's just, right. Just shouting out if they happen to listen. You are always welcome on the uh, soon to be named we, podcast. We here. practiced with uh, yeah mm-hmm. them for a story a yep. couple months ago. And yep. Wow, I love it. Absolutely love it. Cool. Shuffleboard on ice. It's the greatest <laughs> game ever. <laughs> I fell by the way both times trying to start. I would absolutely do the same. So I, I would certainly want to try that. Well, yeah. Jacob, best of luck to you out there as well. We Thank will you. certainly be uh, watching here from home. If folks need to find you online, where can they find you? Twitter for news is Jacob KPRC. Instagram is just my name, Jacob Rascone. New Facebook page is KPRC2 Jacob Rascone. And uh, regular Facebook page there is you Jacob Rascone. Yeah, and we'll lock <laughs> it up with all of the uh, main uh, spots here, KPRC2 as well. Thanks for joining us, Jacob. I appreciate it. All right, soon to be named podcast. You can download this podcast and any of the other ones. There's some good ones out there, lots of tender vittles. All you got to do is go to the uh, podcast tab on your iPhone, or you can go to Google Play as well. Download those, or you can always get the link at clicktohouston.com. That's our uh, show for today, gang. Hope everyone's had a great day. Uh, Enjoy the Winter Olympics as well. We'll have much more coming up on the soon-to-be-named podcast. Plenty of good stuff to talk about. Y'all have a great one.